Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Come see the Boutique on Central in downtown Laurel for the best deals in women's fine clothing. Let us complete your one-of-a-kind look at the Boutique on Central at 531 Central Avenue in downtown Laurel. And now, it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by J. Allen Toyota and AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome to Coast View, the show that celebrates coastal Mississippi, and really Mississippi for that matter, every single day, and the people who make this such a special place to live, work, and play. Hey, a friend of mine, Keith Kilpatrick, someone I graduated with, posted something from Sweet Southern Charm, and I just think it fits so well. Uh, here's, Here's what the quote says. I'm so thankful I had a childhood before technology took over. And here's what they said to go with that, essentially this. Growing children need to spend lots of time outdoors rather than cooped up indoors in front of a computer, television, or playing on their handheld electronics. We are a pl- we had a playroom growing up. It was called Outside. <laughs> Let me bring my friend uh, Cal Curley, someone I'm going to actually visit with the, for the first two segments of the show today because we haven't visited in a while, Kyle, and I saw that you had your title for Today showed the talent. So you're going to be the talent today, buddy. How you doing, man? I'm pretty good. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing good. Hey, you know, we did have a playroom growing up, and it was called outside, wasn't it? Yep, sure was. That was my playroom as well. Get out. Go. <laughs> I was fortunate to be raised in Bellevue. And, you know, my conversation with Farrell Allman and Roy Anderson and others, um, you know, when we went out to play, our parents would tell us when the streetlights came on, come on home. Yep. And uh, that's that's the that's the way it was. But, you know, even as adults, man, you know, even with the flurry of technology that you and I are surrounded by, we still have it in our soul to go in and out and enjoy the outdoors, don't we? Yeah, we do. Um, you know, the older I get, the more honorary I get about actually going out in the outdoors. But once I'm out in the outdoors, I'm like, why don't I do this more? Um, you know, I, I find myself in that pretty much that same mindset every time my son and I go fishing. I dread the walk, but once I'm there, I'm like, I didn't, I'm not leaving. I'm, this yeah, is- it's up, you know, I, I say it all the time, you know, take the deep breath of the salt air and you and you get reminded what, that um, coastal Mississippi is in our soul. It's in our blood. But, uh, but you know, I do too. I like to just, you know, sometimes it's not about catching the fish. You're just sort of being there and seeing the sun sets and the sun rises in the marsh and the, but, uh, but you know, you, you, it's a, it's almost an out of body experience sometimes when we're, when we're fishing, isn't it? It really is. I find myself sometimes making myself reel it in because I know I have to put bait on it. It's just, <laughs> I'm, I get, I get comfortable. I sit there and I'm, I'm a people watcher. I like to take in the view. Um, you know, lately we've been p- fishing Moses Pier uh, religiously, and I like to sit there and face Highway 90 and just watch cars go by. I watch everyone on the beach from the end of that pier. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, it's interesting as you um, as you fish especially at moses pier that's an interesting one because it's it gives you the feeling that you're actually in a boat because you get to look back toward the coast and it's just a cool spot isn't it 
It, it really is. It really is. Um, I Growing up, I never fished that pier. I've always fished uh, Long Beach Harbor, Pass Harbor. Uh, we used to fish the uh, Gulf Park pier that was set out in front of USM in Long Beach. Um, that was a great fishing spot. We used to go just fish there all night and just catch big old sail top catfish just for the fight. And then we <laughs> somewhere along the line, we realized that they were actually pretty good to eat. So we started keeping them. Um, yeah. But, you know, we literally go out there, take lawn chairs, and sometimes we'd fish, sometimes we'd not. We'd just sit there. <laughs> well, you know, hey, what's interesting, man, I, I said this on the show before, but I think my love of the outdoors, you know, that was taught to me by my father and my grandfathers, my love of the outdoors is what saved me because you know, I, was, I was raised sort of in the turbulent 70s. And I remember and I think about it today and my parents were pretty brave, actually. But I used to go spend the night on Courthouse Road Pier, you know, when I was in high school. Yeah. And they let me. And. Uh, you know, when everyone else was sort of out gallivanting, I, I was on the end of Courthouse Road Pier catching redfish in the middle of the night or catching sharks in the middle of the night. And I look back on those times. First of all, the fact that they trusted me was really important. But but I spent, you know, I just, I, I fell in love with the outdoors. And, you know, throughout my life, I, a friend of mine, Terry Waldrop, often used to say, because he's had a lot of success in his life in the in the marine engineering world. And he said, one day he got a promotion. He told his boss, he said, look, don't get, you know, don't misunderstand what I'm going to say, but I, I, I want this promotion because I need to put gas in my boat. He <laughs> always kept it in perspective, but uh, you know, spend the night on on courthouse road pier. I mean, I think I think what happens is, is the more time you get to kind of explore coastal Mississippi, whether it's by boat or fishing the many public piers that we have here, you really get a sense that it's some of the best fishing in the world right here in coastal Mississippi. It's incredible, isn't it? It really is, and you know, I, I've really enjoyed it this past this summer. Really, mostly sharing the experience with my son. He's thirteen. And he never lets a fishing moment go by. He's like, yeah. Dad, let's go. Let's go. Dad, prime fishing time, 1130. And then I find out <laughs> it's at 2 o'clock. I'm like, why are we here at 1130? We want to be here before. And he's right. You sit and watch, you know, I never was a tide chart person. I just went when we thought it was right. We never went in the middle of the day because it was just too hot. Now you've kind of watched these tide charts and you actually catch fish in the middle of the day. Uh, it, <laughs> but, you know, I was always early, early or late, late. But we go and, you know, it, it, it's kind of eerie how on point some of these charts are because we went on Sunday and, yeah, the peak time was like 1.30, 2 o'clock and everything was running bait along Moses Pier from the time we got there at 11.15 and then it dropped off pretty sharply at about 3 o'clock. Yeah, it's a you know you can catch redfish, you can catch jack crevel, you can catch Spanish mackerel and speckled trout and white trout and croakers and ground mullet and a wide variety of other opportunities. You know, you talk about going with your son. Uh, the thing that that I, I think that the glue that keeps my son as my sons grow up and go on to pursue their careers and their own families, but the glue that keeps us together is the opportunity to go spend time in the Delta. Uh, deer and duck hunting and uh, the time that we spend on the boat together fishing offshore or, or in the backwaters of coastal Mississippi. My son's coming home after work today and going to Horn Island and do a little bit of fishing. But you you just, uh, you know, it's, it's, I feel for families that don't have that connection. Right. And the reality is, 
it's there. It's just, you know, and it's never too, you're never too old to learn to appreciate it and love it. I have several friends actually who weren't taught the love of the outdoors by their parents or their grandfathers, but have come to really appreciate it and love it. And now they're passing it on to their family. It's a, it's a very special thing. And it's a best way to sort of get away from the technology of the world, uh, the technology world today that is so much a part of our kids' lives. I mean, it's just incredible how that's part of what they do, isn't it? It, it really is. And, you know, that's one thing that I'm, I, I've never made a mention of it, but I've noticed the fact that when we go fishing, he actually puts down the device. He doesn't, there's times he doesn't even bring it with him, usually stays in the car. We've been keeping it lately because there's been times where he would walk back to the bait house to get more live shrimp or a snack or something. And I'm like, just take your phone in case something happens or whatever. Um, but for the most part, it stays in the tackle box. It, it's, he doesn't even have it out. We keep it there to take pictures of every small fish we catch. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. We, have, we have, you know, luckily, you know, I had everything backed up, but I lost my phone on vacation. It pretty much died up until the beginning of this segment. It decided to come back on. And that was the alarm that we heard. Yeah. I still have a, a display, but it works. <laughs> hey, so you, you actually got to take a vacation. You see, Kyle, for Kyle to take a vacation, since he's involved in operations and IT and does voice, he has to leave the area. He has to get out of here, or else if he doesn't, he's not going to uh, he's not going to be able to stay away from work. But you got a chance to. You went over to Florida, I guess, huh? We did. We took a uh, almost annual trip to Sandestin, and this is uh, probably our third uh, trip that we've gone there. And this was probably a different trip than what we've been done have done in the past. We actually did a lot more fishing this time. The last time we went two years ago, we uh, did our first charter boat fishing with Desi, our son, and he loved it. He's been hooked ever since, and he wanted to go out front to catch something else besides redfish and. Uh, we were catching the, um, oh, I forgot the name of it, the other snapper, the one you find inshore. The mangrove? Get, yeah, mangrove. liner. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we went this time and we uh, went deep sea fishing again. We caught a boatload of red snapper, had a great time. And then when we weren't on the boat, we stayed there from Friday to Friday. So we went and fished that Okaloosa Pier. We fished the Santa Rosa Bridge Pier. I think it's called Thomas Pilcher Park. I always got the name completely wrong for the first couple of times we talked about it. And then from that point on, I just renamed it every time. But uh, I think we probably fished four or five days out of the seven that we were there. And it yeah. it was great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I told you this before, man. I we My family actually lived on Santa Rosa Island. Uh, I was born in Birmingham. Lived in Mobile, then Santa Rosa Island, you know, Pensacola area. And then by the time we were four, we were here in coastal Mississippi. But I spent, you know, my grandparents lived on, had, had a, a beauty salon on, on Cervantes in Pensacola the whole time I was growing up. So we spent so much time in Pensacola and, you know, learned to fish on the Pensacola Pier and, you know, king mackerel and, and, yeah. and lemon fish and big, big sharks. I mean... We, we had a lot of fun, and I've used a lot of those techniques here in coastal Mississippi, and that's kind of how I learned how to fish. Yep. When we come back, I have it's kind of a funny story. My uh, daughter, my son, they went and found a bait shop 
that was a little bit of a different bait shop. And I totally misunderstood their meaning of what they were telling me about it. So I'll have to tell you that when we come back uh, after the break. Uh, yeah. Are we? Uh, how much time we got left? Oh, we're past Coast time. View on Super Talk <laughs> 103.1 okay, we'll is brought to you by J. Allen Toyota on I-10, exit 38, Gulfport. See all the incredible inventory at allentoyota.com. And remember, when you think Toyota, think J. Allen Toyota. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. Listen, one of the amazing things about doing this show is I have the support of a content producer and Cami. She's incredible. Kyle, my partner in crime, the daily producer of this show. I wouldn't have come in off retirement. I've said this before, had I if I didn't have support. I, I need people to sort of handle the scheduling and sort of the technology side of this show so that, well, all I've got to do is sit down and have great conversations with people and just stay focused on learning about my guests and having the best conversations we can have. But Kyle's been a partner in crime through this whole effort. And, um, I, you know, obviously I couldn't do it without him every single day. Dan did a pretty good job of sitting in for you last week. That, that You know, he's he's coming on strong. I was really proud of Dan last week. But but we miss you as always. Hey, let's come back. Let's come back to the um, what was the what was the bait, the bait story you were about to tell. So we, you know, we're not from around town. So we just kind of took to Google and looking for bait shops where we were at. And, you know, they were either to the east or to the west a few miles. And we just chose the, they, they chose the first one that was really, I think it was six or seven miles to the east of Sandestin. And we were just going to go fish that pier in Sandestin there on property. And we had already bought some, uh, well, no, at this point we hadn't bought any of the fish bites. That's a different story altogether. But they went and found one. It's called a bait shop called Stinkies. And it's down <laughs> 98 and you take turn south and it's down, I guess it's Santa Rosa Island down in that. There's a whole different vacation community. And they said, well, it's a bar that's got a bait shop behind it. And I'm thinking, okay, maybe it's like a bar. And then behind it, there's another building that's a bait shop. And so I just kind of dismissed it. You know, they told me it was a bar. I just dismissed that part for the first couple of days until Desi and I were on a mission-finding trip to look for another pier that we could fish. I said, well, let's go buy Stinkies. And my thought was, I'm going to go find a bait shop and ask the people at the bait shop where a pier is to go fishing. And so he took me down there and walked in and... I, I opened the door and I'm like, wow, th yeah, this is a bar. This is like old school <laughs> hole in the wall bar. Um, you know, we're there in the morning. There's day, there's day drinkers already, a group of ladies there, and they're having a good old time. And literally right behind the bar, inside the bar, it's, is a wall of fish and tackle. <laughs> and I was pretty sure they had a little room off to the right that had some shirts and different apparel and their souvenir stinky bars, uh, shirts and hats and whatnot. I'm pretty sure there was probably a hair care slash tire replacement wing of stinkies. <laughs> <laughs> we, were walk we bought some uh, fish baits, fish bites. And this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. It's just, uh, you're probably familiar with it, but I haven't seen it here. It's little strips of foam rubber, some type of manufactured crab-smelling, shrimp-smelling, squid-smelling bait. You just cut them little squares and throw them on the hook, and it's the perfect artificial bait. So we bought a couple of packets of that, and we were leaving the bar slash tackle shop 
one of the ladies, they were having a discussion and the bartender asked him what it was about. And she said, she said, you got a microwave here? And well, before that, they asked her about beer and they kind of said, no, we're not Mick Ultra girls. We're, we're more of Budweiser or whatever. And <laughs> so then she asked about a microwave and she go and he goes, yeah, there's probably one in here somewhere. It might not be plugged in. She goes, well, I got a bag of popcorn in my purse. I want to know if I could heat it up. <laughs> we left. Hey man, I, I've heard, I've heard the name. I've, had, I've seen someone with a stinky t-shirt on before. Yeah. You know, what a cool, what a cool name for a hole in the wall bar, man. But you know, that's what's. Yeah, it, it's it, it's the t stereotypical hole in the wall bar, and they've got a nice restaurant next door that's unattached. And this place is just your stereotypical. If you ever been in Past Christiana Riverside back in the day, yeah, that's kind of what yeah. I thought I was walking into with a bait shop. <laughs> it's so it's so interesting though. I mean, and you know when you when people take vacations to coastal Mississippi, there's so many neat little. Uh, places to go, holes in the wall they can explore, and, and that's one of the neat things that makes coast of Mississippi so cool. They have this this collection of these, you know, cities and communities, each with their own special sense of place. So much to explore, so many like nooks and crannies that have special things to tell us. That's the that's the that's the really neat thing. Hey, by the way, I mentioned that Dan did a great job last week. We had a we had a great week last week. Um, you, you remember Dr. John Kelly, who was the chief administrative officer for the city of Guphorn. Yes. And um, he had a you know he had a long career before and retired, and then Brent War asked him to come back in 2006, and he worked another 15 years as yep. a CEA, CEO for the city. And uh, what an inspiration that was. And, uh, you know, we're lucky to have Dr. Conger, you know, as we were urging people to continue to get the vaccination and, you know, reading the statistics from Lee Bond, the CEO of Singing River Health Systems. You know, Dr. Congress has been the steady voice to make sure make sure people have the best information possible with so much misinformation going around. Yeah. Dr. Conger has been a great friend to the show and to Coastal Mississippi, hasn't he? He really has. And, you know, I, I find myself in different conversations every day or mo usually just a kind of a bystander. And it's amazing how people continue to get their research and medical information from Facebook and they make their decisions on it. And I'm sometimes I can hold my mouth shut. Sometimes I can't. It, it's just I get it. it. It's a personal right. And you want you don't want to be told to do anything. But at the same time, you've got to really use some common sense. I mean, yeah, I know, <laughs> you know, the misinformation that's getting spread. I mean, yeah, sitting in this chair, people send me a lot of stuff and man, you wouldn't believe the stuff they send me. A lot of it's Facebook Messenger. Some of it they share on Facebook, but it's just flat misinformation. It's made to look like real news. You know, right. they have these people who supposedly know that know the conspiracy behind the situation and they're spreading so much misinformation and people are acting on that misinformation. The good thing about Conger when he comes on is he says, look, let's just talk about the facts. The good thing about Lee Bond and his, and his newsletter that he sends out where he says 95% of the hospitalizations are uh, unvaccinated people. Yeah. You know, that's the stuff we need to focus on. Not, not the, the Wuhan conspiracy, and, and as Phil Bryant said earlier this week, you know, when he gets the shot, he doesn't think somebody's injecting his chip in his body so they can be tracked. Um, you know, Phil Bryant urges people to get the vaccine. And, um, you know, I, I think when you when you talk to people like Phil Bryant and Dr. Conger and others, 
it reminds us that, you know, as long as we can get the right information, to, you know, the most correct information to people, they'll make the right decision usually. Don't you find that to be the case? Yeah, you, yeah. If it's just a matter of them getting the right information, and yeah. a lot of times when they have the wrong information and you try and present the right information, the rebuttal is always something far different than the research that they've been led to believe. It's always yeah. it always comes back to, well, I'm not going to be told to. And I, I know, uh, I know. It's so I'm sad. Like, so, you know, how many years ago was it when we were uh, being told to wear seatbelts? Why do we wear seatbelts now? You get in your car and you're going to put your seatbelt on, right? Why? Yeah. Not because yeah. somebody told you to, because it saved lives. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Dr. Conger said the toughest thing for him to hear is someone who's in ICU who's begging for the vaccine. Yeah. And it's too late. Yep. And, um, that's that's really unfortunate. Just to kind of shift gears, I had a terrific conversation with Dorothy Wilson. She has uh, Gulf Coast Women Magazine. She has done so much incredible volunteer work here in coastal Mississippi. Uh, another woman who's, you know, she, she, she says that her goal is to get women involved, especially women of color. But the truth is that so many people, men and women alike, are, are, are inspired by her incredible work. We're lucky to have people like her. And then I was so pleased to have Leonard Papani on the show. Leonard, after being the chief of police, is now the current chief administrative officer for the city of Guffport, and what an inspiration he is. And uh, and then this week, man, I mean, what a great week! I mean, from Phil Bryant to the 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 Frank Bertuzzi and his two sons, Jeff and Ryland, to talk about the FEB distributing story. Um, good Lord, I mean, four generations passing it on, and then Wendy Sweatman yesterday and three generations of passing it on with a mother who was just an entrepreneurial spirit who's so focused on making that company successful and her and her and, and uh, her husband uh, Wendy Sweatman Wendy's father really worked hard to, to, to create Sweatman security in this incredible company but you know it's so interesting man we keep getting someone said how are you going to if you're having these long conversations with people aren't you going to run out of people to talk about it? and the truth is the list just gets longer and longer doesn't it Kyle it really does. Uh, you know, there's there's always people that pop up that we might not have thought about before that a guest from a previous show has brought up. And, you know, you explore that avenue and you're like, wow, how come I didn't know that to begin with? And, it, <laughs> you know, success breeds success. It really does. And there's so many stories. I mean, like, again, the thousand points of light, it takes a lot of people working in so many different ways to build a great community. And what's so amazing about the people that we talk to, they may have found tremendous success in their lives in terms of their, their chosen careers or, or the businesses they started or whatever. But they always give back to the community. I mean, they, I mean, Wendy Sweatman's story is incredible. You know, Frank Bertuzzi and his family's commitment to the community and the list just goes on and on. But it takes people, as I often say, if you want to get something done, ask a busy person to get to, to do it. Thank God we have a lot of busy people on the coast because they're really focusing on following through. Anyway, it's been a great visit, Kyle. Um, you know, we'll continue to explore this amazing place and, and celebrate. It's been a lot of fun, hasn't it? It really has. I've enjoyed every second of it from the very get-go. It's been challenging all in the right ways. Um, I think we had kind of had a conversation last night with a friend of mine at, at my other job at Shuckers that I've pretty much uh, positioned myself well for technology and the future of the company by doing what I've done. And I'm, well, that's pretty much what you have to do these days. You've got to yes, see what you have, man. You're going to stand the test of time before you're in it. You got 
You got to adapt. Got to adapt. Hey, when we come back, it's Friday. We're going to have a great conversation with Jeff Duncan. We'll see you after this break. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. And now, it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews, brought to you by J. Allen Toyota and AGJ Systems and Networks on Supertalk 103.1 FM. Welcome back to Koshu. And by the way, I hope you enjoyed that visit with Kyle Curley. Uh, we've been running so fast. He had finally got a chance to take a little vacation. But Kyle and I hadn't had a chance to catch up on the air in a while. I hope you enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. He's a great guy. A lot of passion for coastal Mississippi. And as we talk about this generational stuff, whether it's the Pertussis or the Sweatmans or the Andersons or whoever we're talking about, Kyle is kind of that guy inside this organization, Super Talk Mississippi Media, kind of helping make sure we're bridging the gap from technology and information systems and all the stuff that he does. He's an amazing guy and a great supporter and producer for Coastview. So I appreciate you, Kyle. Now, let's, are you going to say something, buddy? You can, you can. Oh, you're you're muted. There we go. Come back on. Try that again. Yeah, technology. The check's in the mail. Thanks for the kind words. <laughs> you're welcome. You're, I bragged on about technology. Doesn't know how to use a mute button. Pretty pretty amazing stuff. <laughs> anyway, um, hey, listen, this is Friday. We got a chance to visit with our friend Jeff Duncan. I used to say the athletic, but I guess you're officially now with NOLA.com in the Times Picayune. Not quite. Officially on Monday, August okay. 2nd, my first day. That's also the first day I'll be out at Saints training camps. The first day the Saints put on the pads and have a real practice for the first time. So uh, looking forward to be my 22nd Saints training camp. So it's hard to believe all those years have added up. Wow. You know, you, you did a great job um, with the athletic. You've been a great representative of, of the athletic, but changes at the athletic would have potentially brought you away from New Orleans and you were committed to New Orleans. And I'm so happy, so happy for you that you got to land back at your old your old job as a columnist for NOLA.com and the Times Picayune and the advocate for that matter, because you'll have, you know, you've got this big statewide voice now and you're, you'll continue to do the work that you've done. You've covered the Saints longer than anyone else on earth. You're a member of the NFL Hall of Fame Selection Committee and many other honors along the way. So it's great to have you associated with Coastview, buddy. We really appreciate your friendship. Yeah, uh, likewise. And I'm excited for another season. And uh, it's going to be fascinating, Ricky. The post-Drew Brees era is beginning. And uh, I don't know what it's going to portend, but it's going to be fun to watch. It's there's so much. I, 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 you know, the last couple of days I've been watching. We went from basically very little news or made up news. <laughs> you know, a lot of a lot of people just making news while while the things were quiet. We went from that to like this flurry of news, uh, Michael Thomas and all the stuff around that. But before we get to the Saints, 
Um, obviously, you said for weeks leading up to the, the selection of Willie Green as a new coach of the Pelicans that he was going to be the guy. And um, and he is, of course, the guy. What's what's it what's it feel like there? People you know, really excited about it. He's got one job and he's got to keep Zion in New Orleans. And there's a lot around that. So what's your take on the situation? Well, he's, he was very impressive at his uh, introductory press conference on Wednesday. I'm sorry, on Tuesday. He really had a lot of optimism, as you would expect for a new first-time head coach. Um, got to meet his wonderful family. They love New Orleans. You know, Willie Green played here a year uh, back back with the, the Hornets in the, in the early days. So they're familiar with the city. But more than anything else, he's got so much energy and enthusiasm for a first-time head coach. And so it was refreshing uh, to hear how he compared this Pelicans team to the Suns team he just left as an assistant that went all the way, of course, to the NBA Finals. He sees a lot of similarities in uh, the development of the two teams and thinks that, I think to use his words, uh, that the Pelicans are a sleeping giant in the NBA. So we're going to find out as, as he goes forward here, putting his staff together and getting a chance to meet with his new players uh, where this takes him because it certainly is going to be fun to watch. It will be fine. There's been some other troubling news that popped up in the last day or so. What's that? Yeah, the, the second-year center, Jackson Hayes, who was uh, you know, a core piece of their, uh, their developmental uh, program here. Uh, the backup center last year was arrested. Uh, I don't know where the arrest occurred. I don't think it was in New Orleans, uh, but has been charged, at least initially, with a felony assault of a police officer. There was a domestic disturbance. The police came to his uh, residence and there was an altercation. They actually left both Jackson Hayes and the police officer uh, requiring hospitalization. So it's pretty disturbing. The early reports, I'm sure we'll know more uh, over the coming days, but um, right away, a little bit of a mini crisis for a Willie Green one day after his introductory press conference. Commando, I hate to hear that. I hate to hear that, but we'll uh, we'll watch that closely, and hopefully, Willie Green's got a short period of time, a short period of time to create a winner because it's going to take creating a winner to most likely keep uh, Zion Williamson here. Don't you think? Well, it, it feels like the, there's two different timelines here, and that's what's I think interesting about this plan. David Griffin, the the head of basketball operations, of course, entering his third year on his third head coach now, uh, he understands the pressure to be successful, not only because of Zion Williamson, also because of ownership and management, which have supplied him with tons of resources uh, over the last few years to build a winner. And I think last year was a setback. He had to basically trade away his two top assets he acquired in the offseason, Stephen Adams and Eric Bledsoe. And then he had, of course, to, to fire Stan Van Gundy, the coach he hired. So last year was really kind of a zero for David Griffin, a major setback in the progress of this franchise. So he's under the gun on one timeline to win, but yet he, I think he's building this roster the smart way, which is over the, he's playing the long game. He's trying to build through the draft, which is what you have to do at a small market like New Orleans, but that could require time. Uh, and I'm not sure these two timelines marry up with how quickly David Griffin needs to win and you know how this roster is being built uh, to kind of sustain success over the long haul. Let's shift gears and talk about the Saints. Big news over the last several days has been 
the fact that Michael Thomas is going to have ankle surgery. A lot had been written, man, that he, you know, he was amazing until he got his money. Then he became a problem in the in the locker room and he, his willingness to to go out there and do the thing the way he needs to do it. What's your what's your where do you stand with Michael Thomas at this moment? Well, this is not good for anybody. I mean, it's not good for Mike Thomas. It's not good for the Saints. Uh, I don't know the answer because right now there's so many unanswered questions about how it got to this point. Clearly, there's been some kind of communication breakdown between uh, their star receiver and uh, front office management. And uh, that's unusual, Ricky. That doesn't happen here very often. That's one of the strengths of this organization. But there's some breakdown because this never should have gotten to this point to where he's not going to be available to start the season. I mean, he's too critical to what they're doing. I feel bad for whatever quarterback wins this starting job because their job's going to be much harder now without Mike Thomas. And now they're having to think about, okay, Mike Thomas is not going to be here at the beginning of the season. We don't really know how long for sure he's going to be out. And because that's actually a critical, that's a critical surgery, right? I mean, they have to reconnect a ligament or something. What's, what's the nature of that surgery? Well, he had a high ankle sprain, and we always know those injuries are very finicky and uh, take some time to heal. Uh, why they didn't address it earlier this offseason, I have no idea. I mean, there's all kinds of speculation out there, uh, but clearly there was a breakdown somehow. Whether they thought it was going to heal naturally, uh, there should have been more communication between the organization and Mike Thomas. And from what I understand, the organization tried. He just would not uh, return phone calls or texts. So uh, clearly there's something bothering him with the team, and I'm sure they've gotten it uh, hashed out here over the last few days trying to reconcile uh, this relationship that we know kind of hit the rocks last year when there was the altercation between him and uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson in practice that resulted in Mike Thomas being uh, suspended for a game by the team. Unbelievable. I would have never expected that. I would have never. Michael Thomas for so long was such seemed like this quiet force in the locker room that he was just, you know, what was it getting the money that changed him? What what happened? Well, I don't think that's it because if you remember, he got his contract right before the season in which he set the NFL record for receptions. Uh, he had a tremendous year, career year. Uh, so he produced after getting paid. But something clearly has gone awry. And look, it, it, his future here, I think, is very much uh, in doubt long term. Now, I think mm -hmm. he's definitely going to be here this next season. But beyond that, uh, it would not surprise me to see him end up elsewhere. Or if they can get back on the same page, certainly uh, they value his ability. So now they're having to go out and think about who's available that can come in pretty quickly. And the season hasn't even started yet to fill in for that sort of, you know, that he, he he's got a lot of catches that are hung up in that one guy. So what, what are they talking about? Well, they recently signed Chris Hogan, a veteran player who played with Tom Brady in New England, uh, got a Super Bowl ring. He's a veteran possession receiver who can do some of the similar things that Mike Thomas can do, some of the similar routes. But I don't think they're done there with just Chris Hogan. I think they're going to get into camp here, see how things develop among their young receivers, and then reevaluate things. Wouldn't surprise me to see them bring in another veteran before the start of the season. This is Jeff Duncan of The Athletic, soon to be with NOLA.com and the Times Picayune. We'll come back after this and continue to talk about all the flurry of other news that's surrounding the beginning of training camp. We'll see you after this break.
also listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. It's Friday, so we have Jeff Duncan from the Athletic Soon to Be Noah.com and the Times Picayune. Training camp is starting. Boy, this is flurry of stories about, you know, some say six new starters, some say as many as 10 new starters. But boy, one thing is for sure there are a lot of unknowns still yet to sort of make themselves known to us in this training camp. I mean, just a lot to think about, isn't there, Jeff? Well, I did a little, uh, you know, research the other day after the news about David. Uh, Onyemata suspension, six-game suspension. Couple that with the news with Mike Thomas being out. Ricky, just think about this. The, the 22 players that started for the Saints last year in their opener against the Tampa Bay Bucks in the Superdome, 10 of them now are not going to be in the starting lineup this season, Almost, basically half the roster. So it's a huge challenge for Sean Payton and his coaching staff, the leaders on this team. Uh, that's a lot of turnover, even by NFL standards. And I think the depth of this team is a major question mark. Uh, Mickey Loomis has talked about that. Things are really going to have to go right. The margin for error has been reduced drastically with this team. And we all know that injuries, it's not a matter of if they're going to occur, it's when. And I just really feel like uh, the margin for error for this team uh, injury-wise has been reduced so much that uh, the depth is going to be a telling factor for this team. You know, I mean, and, you know, you and I talked about this a lot last year. Next man up, next man up. The death was there. They were sort of tooled to have hopefully the, the Super Bowl run in Drew's last year. And now, obviously, that didn't happen for all the reasons that we know now. And this next, next man up mentality, even though they're going to have it, obviously, is not going to be as fruitful, most likely. So, boy, if they get a couple of key injuries here or there, it could really change the destiny of this team this year, couldn't it? Yeah, you know, you just you just get the sense. Again, Sean Payton is a tremendous coach. I mean, uh, I would never doubt his coaching ability, especially in the face of adversity. It's where he really is at his best. He thrives in crises. Uh, but that said, it feels like a transition year. It, it feels a lot like New England last season, the year after Tom Brady left, and the team kind of was – they were competitive – uh, but they hovered around 500 all year. That's what this season feels like. I would say that the Saints are more talented than that New England team. They have a lot more uh, elite talent, but there's really a li- not much of a middle class anymore because of the all-season attrition. You have some elite Pro Bowl, all-pro caliber leaders and players, and then you've got a lot of young players that are really unproven. So if some of these young players step up into more high-profile roles, things could turn out for this team because they do have enough talent. And, of course, the quarterback position is the ultimate question mark. Who's going to win the job and how are they going to perform? I got a note from somebody from Birmingham this morning, from Birmingham. And they were were reminding me about some of what was in Jameis Winston's past. There are a lot of people who sort of followed his career, especially when early, early high school. And... um, he said, you know, this particular guy was saying to me that 
Now, okay, I hear all the, I hear all of what is being written. He new lease on life, new opportunity, new all that. But he was just saying that you know when you've got these kind of things, and he reminded me what those things were in in their past. Uh, that when you've got a character issue that bad, you know, you can't, you just don't fix that, that it's, it, it goes with someone. So Jameis still has a lot to prove, doesn't he? On and off the field. Yeah, it's a great point. And, and I think uh, sometimes I have to remind myself uh, that these guys are young sometimes when they come in the league. There's maturity issues and some players take longer to mature than others. I think the hope if you're a Saints fan and if you're a Saints teammate and coach, is that he has matured and that is in the past and that he's gotten over the hump uh, with some of these issues. I know he's been married now, he's started a family. Some of those things, life issues can uh, you know, change people. And, and I think that's the hope. Everything I've heard since he's been with the Saints has been positive. Now we just gotta see if it translates to on the field success. I mean, I think that's another question. I mean, you can wanna be great and you can do all the things uh, on the field and off the field in practice that you need to do to be great, but you still have to do it on the field. I mean, we, I think of Bobby Bowden's great line all the time, you know, if doing the right thing and discipline and all that were what won uh, football games, Army and Navy would win the national title every year, right? <laughs> I mean, it's not about that. Sometimes you've got to still be able to play and make the right decisions, and that's the stuff that's held Jameis Winston back. So, you know, we've obviously we've talked about the quarterback battle in some great degree and about the players that we may not have it or will not have at the beginning of the season. But what's, a, you know, what's another subtext of, of the training camp that you're following? Well, I think the secondary, the fact that we don't know what's going to happen with Marshawn Lattimore's potential suspension, uh, the fact that he did not get a long-term deal, neither did Marcus Williams, the safety they just signed Brian Poole, a veteran player, been with the Falcons for a number of years. Uh, I'm hearing also that there could be some more potential uh, discipline in uh, on the team, on the roster. And I'm wondering if his signing, Brian Poole, could portend maybe more attrition to the secondary, at least in the terms of suspension. So a lot's up in the air right now. I think that secondary is going to be key to this team because there's a lot of talent there, but there's also a lot of uncertainty. Well, I'm really looking forward to visiting next week, man, because you're going to be rolling your sleeves up Monday, be on the ground with these guys. You'll be able to make your own observations, and you have sources like nobody else has. So, man, you're going to be full of so many interesting anecdotes next week. I look forward to visiting, buddy. Yeah, I can't wait, and uh, I'll have my sunscreen on, Ricky. It's going to be a tough one. Uh, good for you, because it's going to be hot, hot, hot. Anyway, Jeff Duncan of the athletic when we start talking next week we'll uh you'll be from the nola from nola.com and the times picky in appreciate your friday visits and we'll see you next week all right have a great weekend you bet buddy take care Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.